The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pit Podcast. Get ready for contact. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. How come y'all ain't just shoot him in the ankle? Why you have to shoot him in his chest? You ain't have to do all that. Yeah, leave it to some protesters downtown to blow my bourbon buzz on my first day off. And what makes me even more upset is I've been staying away from the bottle. I've been cleaning myself up, abstaining from the alcohol, just... You know, getting my life going in a little better direction and getting a little healthier. But today, after going shopping at Costco and paying the bill that I paid due to Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan, I said, you know what, damn it, I'm going to have me a drink tonight. And I did that. And as soon as I started drinking, here comes my phone ringing and blowing up. Protesters are downtown. And why are they downtown, y'all asking? Well, in case you didn't hear. The United States Marshals the other day at work smoked a guy in uh, West Louisville while serving a warrant on a guy for a strangulation warrant that he had. But somehow, this is all the fault of the Louisville Metro Police Department. Nobody else. It's just our fault. I ain't even want to be there. Do you know how my Friday started the other day? It was my weekend to work when I came into work on Friday. And I already wasn't feeling it. I was not in the mood. All I was doing was getting some gas at the Thorntons and then trying to make up my mind and decide if I wanted to go down that road and buy that donut at Thornton's. Man, it looks so delicious. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to behave myself today. I'm going to do the right thing today. And I'm going to try to get my mind right because I'm trying to get healthy. And then the next thing you know, somebody gets on the radio, shots fired, suspect down. And the next thing you know, they got my black ass on Sutcliffe Avenue in the West End, bacon in the sun, hot as hell, swamp ass on 100. And um, next thing you know, hey, we need y'all to go up front and rotate the protesters out front. And not necessarily protesters. A lot of people on the block, you know, a lot of family members of the guy that got shot. And next thing you know, I make contact with the protesters and it's like flashback to 2020. Look at this black ass nigga right here. All these black niggas, is all, these black cops is always the worst of them all. And next thing you know, I'm, it just starts going on. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And everybody on my squad, my SRT squad is looking at me. They all, they all remember what it was like for me in 2020. And we were all getting a grisly reminder that ain't much changed in 2022 when it comes to protesting in Louisville. The installs start start rolling. People start threatening our family. This going to be your family out here one day. Yeah, I hope that's your son. I hope that's your daughter. You know what? It will not be my son or daughter. You know why? Because I am raising my kids to a different standard than you all are. And it ain't got nothing to do with being black. It ain't got nothing to do with being white. It's got something to do with about being decent. And that is why I am not worried about my black children's future. But then... Things get even better as I'm standing out in the sun working on my tan. 
Somebody starts shouting my name from the crowd. Not just that, she's calling me by my nickname that all my civilian friends call me by. I see you, Dex. I see you, Dex. You're not like the rest of them. You're better than them, Dex. You know better. But you out there kissing the white officer's ass. Then all of a sudden, all my partners looking at me like, yo, who is she? How she know you? And I'm looking like, who the hell is that? And how does she know me by my first name? And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm like, yo, who is this lady? And then it finally dawns on me. That's Miss, I'm not going to say her name on the show, but I'm going to assign her a nickname in military phonetics. We're going to call her Charlie Romeo. That's her abbreviation. We're going to call her Charlie Romeo. And as she was yelling at me, I was like, yo, wait. <laughs> and then it all started coming back to me. And I was like, man, I've not talked to this lady in years. I met this lady on a run. When I was a rookie officer in like 2010, 2011, at the Waffle House down on Cane Run Road. And she just opened up to me that night, was telling me all her problems and her worries and her woes. And I was just encouraging her, like, hey, you're going to be okay. Hey, you know, I'm here to help you any way I can, man. Let me know. And then the next thing you know, this lady finds me on Facebook. She has me as a friend. And then next thing you know, she just starts asking me, all these favors to help her in her personal life. And it's so funny because as I was out there on that scene and the thing she was saying to me, clearly I'm the biggest piece of shit she's ever known as an officer. But when I go back and read these messages, I remember she looked up to me and admired me and thanked me all the time for everything I had done for her. But now some odd reason, I'm just a big old stanky piece of shit in uniform. Just a sellout Uncle Tom ass nigga in uniform, dog. Oh, man. So much so, I decided to go into my messenger and start looking back at the messages that Charlie Romeo sent me. And I was like, man, what has happened over the years to make her so bitter? I don't know. But I remember this. It says, I'm really in need. If you could run this by your wife, let her know I'm reaching out for help. And we are here on Rangeland and we have nothing from a washcloth towels. The Center for Women and Families help us get this place. I'm going to give y'all got to excuse. She not very educated. So I'm just reading this. I'm reading this message verbatim, man. It ain't me. Yes, I'm special, but I ain't that special. I can at least read, but. It says, help us get this place. I'm going to give you my abuser name. I've been wanting to let you know what was going on, but you've been been so happy. I was not trying to bother you, my friend. So read up on this. I hope they give him life. He almost killed me. Please keep me and my babies and you guys in prayers. Tell the wife I'm so happy for you guys. Sign, Charlie Romeo. And then the next thing I know, I you know I go help her with that situation. Me and my family donate some stuff to her and her kids to help them out because that's what decent people do. You know, I'm an officer of the law, but at the same time, my parents didn't raise me to be an officer of the law. My parents raised me to be a decent person. And me and my wife, we're decent people. And we, you know, we are Christians, you know, and we try our best to help people. So we try to do the right thing and help her out. Then I get another message from her like, like a year or some time later. Dex, my niece has something to tell you. I told her she can trust you. Please give us a call. And I'll be honest, I don't even remember 
what that call was about. I don't. It's been so long. I have no clue. And then we got another one. Dex, somebody stole my baby's bike. I w- I need help. I'm begging, please. And then I remember plying back. I'm reading verbatim. This was on March 30th, 2014 at 11.17 a.m. I said, God spoke to me this morning. I know your situation. He told me to give you the bike for free. So what do I do? I remember going out and buying a bike for her son that had his bike stolen. And her message after I was done, she sent me a message. Oh, Jesus, Dex, shaking my head. Lord knows you have been a blessing to me since I met you. You, you, know, you and my ba- me and my babies. Yeah, pardon me. I, the, the grammar of the has got me a little, <laughs> a little twisted. And she said, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Tears. That's what our relationship was for almost 10 years. And like I said, I've not talked to this lady in years, man. I've not seen her, spoke to her, but apparently... I made an impression on her that where she knew me and remembered me, you know, but I don't expect anything back from people. I wasn't doing this as an officer. I was just doing this because I care about people, you know, and then to hear her on scene at this incident where this individual was shot and killed by a federal agent. And I'm not going to go deep into details about the case because it is pending. And I, you know, I'm not going, I'm not getting into it, but you can go online you can go to the news media websites and you can Google and figure out everything that's going on with it. The suspect's name was Amari Cryer. He had a warrant for strangulation and some other stuff, yo. But that's that's all I'm going into with. Like I say I'm not commenting on ongoing investigation like that, yo. But you could come to your own conclusion. But let's just say they want justice for him. But what about justice for his victim? You know, that's the thing. So we're standing out there. She's just ripping into me. Just calling me all sorts of names and crap. And I'm just and now I'm just going back and reading these messages. And I'm like, what has happened to you? What did I do to you personally? Tell me what I did to you. Nothing. So how dare you come at me and put on a show in front of all your little protesters, friends trying to say that I'm this horrible person and I'm out here kissing all these white cops ass. When all I have done is go above and beyond for you all that time years ago, never wanted or expected anything back from you. But now, like I said, I'm a big old stanky piece of sellout shit. Okay, duly noted, duly noted. You know what? True colors always show in the end. And you know what? I'm not going to get too much deeper in the dirt on it. But hey, this is what we are dealing with, man. People get into these protests and come out to these scenes. And I understand that it's emotionally charged when somebody gets shot and killed, period, by the police, by anybody. It's an emotional and taxing thing, you know, and when you don't know the answers, it's even more frustrating when, you know, the body's laying out there and people want to know what happened. And we can't tell them because we got an investigation to do. But you start attacking the police on scene and then you start attacking me personally when I've been nothing but good to you. Hey, homie, I ain't got nothing left for you after this. I said, I ain't talked to her in years, but I hope and pray to God she don't try to find me and send me a message because I'm going to have some words for Charlie Romeo at this point in time. And not just that, man. What people don't realize, the officers and the protesters in the city, man, we have grown so familiar and accustomed to one another. It used to be to the point where we were just a face and a badge number to these people. Now they know us by our first names and last names. As I was as I was standing on scene, 
next to one of my uh, one of my officer, uh, an officer that's now a sergeant. And this other protester just kept looking at him. Hey, yo, that's what you're calling right there. Yeah. Yeah. You remember me? You put them fake charges on me. All that shit got dropped, bro. All that shit got dropped, nigga. What's up? And I'm just sitting here like, bro, don't feel special. We're in Jefferson County. All charges mostly get dropped. <laughs> you are not special. You are not the exception, homie. Trust me, man. And then as I'm standing there, one of my favorite protesters. I have a favorite protester. I do. I've even nicknamed her Beetlejuice. Because Beetlejuice loves to come out. And part of my language, Beetlejuice loves to fuck with me. Oh, Beetlejuice talks the most shit to me that you will ever heard talk to an officer. All this time, every time I see this person, just a nasty ass person with a nasty attitude drives me crazy. And she knows this. Man, and this she's just not a good person at all. No matter what I no matter how nice I've been to her, she will not pay me with a compliment. I mean, she would tell me to go fuck myself in a heartbeat. Fuck me, fuck my family. And I'm not cursing to just be cursing. I'm just saying what she has said to me. Point blank, period. That's it. If you're getting offended, probably want to turn to a different one on this one, man, because I'm letting it all hang out on this episode. Yeah, so I'm just sitting there at the crime scene tape, chilling with my arms folded. And like I said, she just starts in on me. I hate you, you ugly-ass motherfucker. You black-ass motherfucker. I hate you. Yeah, that's right. That's why them charges you dropped on me ain't going nowhere. I got something for your black-ass nigga. <laughs> and, they go, and, I'm just, and there's nothing you can do. You have to stay professional, you know, especially when you know they have cameras up in your face. There's nothing you can do. I ain't going to lie. All I do is smile. That's all I do. And I smile as a way, as a way to kind of get back at her because I have a nice smile. She ain't got a nice smile. Bro, her teeth look like it's amateur night at the bowling alley on a Saturday night. Just some teeth here, some pins there, here and there. Gaps everywhere. But you know what? I, I, I maintain my professionalism while I am in uniform in, in front of the public. But guess what? Right now, I'm at home in my private time in my damn closet drinking my bourbon. So I'm going to say what I want to say. And the one thing that gets me about a lot of the protesters is the self-righteousness with these people, man. And that's not just, there's a lot of people. People get self-righteous. I get self-righteous sometimes. Everybody does. We're just people at the end of the day. But, but I remember I scrolled down. I got on my fake book, my fake, fake, my fake Facebook profile to see what everybody was talking about. And then I came across the one post she said. She said, you want to know what's funny? People, that's what. And they stay talking about the shit they dishing out to other people, but claim it's the other people. I would say get the fuck out of here, but I'm hoping for change and I'm still rooting for you. Good night. So you're pretty much talking about yourself in this one because you stay coming at me dishing stuff out. But you only say it to me because you know I can't say nothing back while I'm in uniform because it's safe. I guarantee you all. If I was out of uniform, these people would not say anything to me in private because they know what's up. They know what's up. They know as long as I'm on the clock and I'm in uniform, they safe because they know they trying to get that lawsuit money. They're trying to break you and draw you in because apparently, if you ask me, I think what's going on right now in Louisville, I told you all protesting was not done. Protesting was not dead and that protesting was not over. 
it's been laying dormant. Ladies and gentlemen, we are six months out from the midterm elections. What better time now than to start protesting and getting money? I was listening to the protesters tonight downtown marching, blocking traffic. And know what they're saying? Hey, follow me on, you know, follow me on my social media. You know, hit me up on my cash app. This is all it's about. This ain't about black lives. And then they were down at the park talking. Too many black people have been killed at the hands of police officers in this city. That's a damn lie. What, what, three, four, five? And most of them are justified? Well, hell, all of them have been justified. But like I said, we're not talking about the 150 other black lives in the city been lost to black violence. We're not saying anything about that. But fuck the police, because that's why. And now it's fuck the feds. And all I'm going to say is, I don't know who's running the show over there, but listen, I'm not coming out to do anything tonight. One, I've been drinking. Number two, this is not LMPD shit show with the shooting. This is not us. This is on the U.S. Marshal. This is on the feds. So if there's protesting going on and it's directed at you, you need to go handle your problem, your mess. I am not in the mood. Although I do love my U.S. Marshals, so shout out to the Marshals. Shout out to the feds. Y'all know I'm a bit of a fed myself. Done enough time in the feds, personally. But moving on, man, told y'all, I'm amped up, I'm fired up, man. And I wasn't even going to do a podcast tonight because I was tired. I ain't got, I got a headache. It's been a long, long weekend, man, tired. I got my nuts dragged into the dirt all week on my shift, man. It was just so freaking busy. And I said I wasn't going to do it because I didn't have the energy. But once I turned on... My phone, it was listening to the protesters downtown and only one narrative being pushed, an extremist narrative by Black Lives Matter. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get on here. And even if people don't hear me and don't listen to my show, I'm going to at least put out the other side of this narrative. That's what I'm going to do. And I said, I can't really speak about the shooting, but hey, there's other stuff we could talk about, such as Black Lives Matter itself, because I guess I'm the bad guy you know, with all this stuff going on, me and my brothers in blue, and not these fake BLM activists trying to stir up drama. Like, because like I was saying, the midterms are right around the corner. They are back out in the streets marching and trying to get that BLM Patrice Cullors money. If you don't know who Patrice Cullors is, she is the de facto leader and creator of Black Lives Matter Global. Global. She's the one that helped start this thing. Now she's no longer in charge, but she has stepped down. But not before she made her millions. Yes, millions. I've talked about it on the show before. Everybody knows that Black Lives Matter has made millions of dollars and a lot of that money has been unaccounted for. But an article just turned up the other day and it's been revealed that BLM founder Patrice Coolers paid her baby daddy $970,000 for creative services. All I'm saying is, why couldn't I have been your baby daddy? I'd have been your baby daddy for a lot less. I would have been your baby daddy for $500,000. You could have saved a whole lot of money. But anyway, she also paid her brother $840,000 for security. I read an article that asked her why she did such a thing. She said because she can't afford, well, she can't She's too afraid to hire actual cops because cops hate her and that she doesn't feel safe around a lot of white officers. And then she get paid a fellow director two point one million and reimbursed the organization 
$73,000 for a charter flight. Huh. So where that's that's where the money's going. And not only that, this heifer owns four multi-million dollar homes. You know, and I, you know, I saw a thing the other day where Candace Owens went to Patrice Cooler's house, one of her houses, and she had a guard there and everything. And I'll be the first to say this. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and toot Candace Owens' horn. I'm not a Candace, I'm not a big, big, big Candace Owens fan. I don't mind her. You know, she does her thing. She's getting her money, just like Patrice Kohler's. Bro, these people are all playing the game. They're playing the, the, the conservative game. They're playing the liberal game. Everybody out here getting money. That's what it is at the end of the day. Yo. But I will never support somebody going to someone's house and knocking on their door and protesting, you know. But I just find it funny that when it happens to Patrice Kohler's, or whatever, Kohler's, you know, she's got a problem with it, but she don't have a problem with her people going out and do it to them. But when it's done to her, she gets on TV and starts this fake crying that, you know, I'm just so endangered and I'm getting death threats. Heffa, I've been getting death threats for the last two years. Not just that, me and my family and all my fellow officers. So welcome to the dance and welcome to the party. You get no sympathy from me at all whatsoever. And I just find it so funny that, you know, we talk about... No black prosperity and the lack of money in the black community, yo. But you got to look at these all this money being made and ask what is being done for the black community by Black Lives Matter. What is being done? Can somebody please tell me? I've looked it up. Okay, I see little stuff here and there. Like, hey, yo, here's a, you know, here's a lunch buy. Hey, here's a bologna sandwich, dog. Now you keep the change. I'm gonna take the rest of this couple meal for myself, dog. Don't you don't need it. Don't worry about it, yo. But that's what's happening, man. But last year. When I was really getting into studying communism, I came across this book by Manning Johnson. It was written in, I believe, the 1950s or 1960s. But Manning Johnson was a, a communist leader. He was big time into the Communist Party. And then eventually he woke up out of it and he wrote a book called Color, Communism and Common Sense. And one of the things that stood out to me in that book was Manning Johnson talking about certain Negroes, and I'm not using the term derogatory, people. That's what he says in the book, because that's how black people were referred to back then. And even today by the president, Biden, you know, the great Negro. So, hey, we good, bro. If Biden can say Negro, I'm going to say Negro. So, yeah. So, but, you know, with her owning these multi-million dollar homes, there was a quote in the passage from that book that stood out to me that I want to share with y'all. And Manning Johnson says, he makes his money off Negroes. He is a Negro, but he doesn't want to live among them. To him, the mark of success is a good bank reserve and a home in a white neighborhood. His only fear is that his white neighbors will sell to other Negroes and move to another area. To him and to so many others of his ilk, the very thought of members of his own race replacing his newly found white neighbors gives him conniptions. So let me ask you, if Miss Patrice Cullors of Black Lives Matter loves black lives so much, just believes in black lives and black this and that, she's down with the struggle and all that, how come she got millions of dollars but don't live in the hood? How come she gets millions and flees to the suburbs? Not even the suburbs, bro. She flees beyond the suburbs to where all the rich white elites live. Are there any, ask yourself, are there any multi-million dollar homes in black neighborhoods? 
No. But what does she do? She get that money and she takes flight. Just like Mr. Manning Johnson said in his book. Yo. And you can find that amongst most people that are these big time activists and get this money. Don't none of these Negroes live in the hood once they get that money. They dip. They get up and they get out. They love their people so much, but they refuse to live amongst them. I've seen it here on the PD where I've seen black officers that love the black community so much and this and that. They love the I love the black community. But they get in that police car at the end of their shift and they don't drive to the black community. They don't keep their family in the black community. They keep their family out in the county where it's majority white. So I love my people, but I won't live amongst them now, though. You know, I see I tell people all the time. There's a reason I don't live in the hood because I don't agree with the lifestyle. And I will say that but a lot of black officers won't say that because they don't want to give up that black card. They want that. They want that uh, suburban privilege. And they also want to keep that black card. So when they go to work in the hood, dog, but they ain't about they ain't about that. I tell people that's why I just keep it real, dog. I don't care. I'm not living in the good in the hood. I'm not raising my family in the hood. I'm not worried about having a black card. I lost that joint a long time ago, and I'm not looking to get it back. I really don't care. No, I'm just doing me. I'm living me. I'm not trying to be black. I'm not trying to be white. I'm just being Dex. But according to Charlie Romeo, I'm Dex out here kissing these white folks' ass, though. But you know what? Hey, I'm kissing ass out here in the suburbs, chilling. My family's safe, and I ain't worried about no damn protesters out here where I'm at. Everybody cuts their grass. I ain't worried about getting robbed. My kids' schools are good. Life is good out in the burbs and ain't nobody out here called me a nigga since I've been out here. I love my neighborhood and I love where I live and where I'm at. It ain't about black. It ain't about white. It's character and what you bring into the community and to the table. That's it. And since we're on the subject of race, President Joe Biden. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So when he got into office, I don't know who came up with the uh, name for him, President Biden, the great uniter in chief. I just want to go out on a limb and say, that's bullshit. Hey, I, I told you I'm getting loose, man. I got a little bit of this blade and bow in my system. Man, some of y'all's ears probably burning. Some of y'all going to be praying for me after this one, but I promise I'm going to be all right. I'm going to pray before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> Let me take a sip. Ooh, that burns so good. <clears throat> but yeah, so we call this, I don't know who decides to call this man the great uniter in chief. But as I said on my show the other week, this incident in Buffalo with this jackass white racist white supremacist was everything that the left wanted and needed to happen. And I'm not saying that the Democrats were pulling for this to happen. All I'm saying is with us, the midterm elections coming up, with you haven't really heard anything else about Roe v. Wade, have you? No, it's kind of fallen to the wayside, yo. But I mean, you got to look at the economy. The Democrats have nothing going for themselves. I told y'all I'm drinking tonight because I just can't wrap my mind around the grocery bill I just paid. I can't wrap my mind around it. Everybody in America is mad right now, bro. Gas is freaking the highest I've ever seen. It's almost 460 where I'm at. And there's rumors that in places in America, they are reprogramming the gas machines to be able to accommodate double-digit prices. They know this is coming. And the Democrats have to play a card. What card is it that the Democrats can play? 
that they have always played that gets people riled up. The race card. Of course, it's always been, man. Race in America is such a sensitive subject because we've had problems with race in America. And that's not to say America is not the exception. That's everywhere. That ain't just here, man. Race is a problem all over the freaking globe. But people try to make it seem like America's the only place with racial issues and racial identities. That's not the case, yo. But of course, leave it to Democrats at this time when they know they have nothing going for themselves and they see a bloodbath coming in November. There's nothing better to them than a white man going into a store and, and, and murdering innocent minorities in, in, in a pure act of evil. And for one, I don't know anybody that's condoned this act. Everybody I know in my life are decent people. I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, them Negroes had it coming. No, that is not the case, yo. But of course, the Democrats are going to take this and run with it. And so what does Joe Biden do? He flies to Buffalo to go speak to the community of Buffalo about this tragic event. And I don't blame him for doing that. He should have. He needs to. He's the president. He needs to be there, yo. But my question is, where were you during the New York City subway attack when a black extremist, a black separatist, a black supremacist went on a rampage and shot 22 people? Thank God they didn't die. Like I said, I mentioned this before on the podcast. Where was President Biden then? He gave a simple speech. Hey, what this happened, this was horrible. But he didn't care because it was mostly white people getting killed. And what? Ha- where was he at for Waukesha? When Daryl Brooks drove his freaking car through a Christmas parade and killed all these innocent white people. He get, puts out a statement. Yeah. Doesn't visit or nothing. Yeah, but soon as a bunch of black people get killed by a white supremacist, fire up the jets. Let's put some of that high ass gas into this plane and get to Buffalo so we can get the show on the road and get these votes because they need to see their president in this day, in this time and in their time of need. But just the hell with everybody else, though, I guess. Right. And I know the president can't respond and go to every major national incident. yo. But when you pick and choose certain ones to go to and certain others not to, that's just kind of telling in my eyes. And not only is Biden continuing the divide. The media continues to fl- stoke the flames of division ahead of the 2020 midterm elections. Like I said, as I mentioned on my last episode, the Buffalo killing, you know, that that whole thing that all that is doing is creating fear and pushing fear in the minority community that the guy that did this, he's just one person. But there are many more out there. Are they out there? Of course. But it's not often. These things don't happen as often in this country. And it should never happen, but they do. And so what they're now doing is they've created a new buzzword to make people fearful. They created a new buzzword to make the minority community fearful, want to vote Democrat. And that's the words great replacement theory. And apparently this guy wrote a 180 page manifesto. I'll be honest, I'm not reading that bull crap. I don't want it. Don't want to read it. But hey. Understand that it's good to read some things and get a picture of what this person's thinking and what's in their mind. But I don't. I already know this this fool crazy. A sane person would not drive to this location and just start blasting away innocent people. So there's nothing in that manifesto to me that's going to prove to me that this guy was a sane person. He's not. 
he committed an insane act and I wish honestly I wish he would have got blown his face blown off the face of the earth but fortunately unfortunately he surrendered and we took him in which created a stir itself because if he would have been black they would have killed him not the case at all you know but so the great replacement theory so it is this conspiracy theory that states that non-white individuals are being brought into the United States and other Western countries to replace white voters to achieve a political agenda. And it is often touted by anti-immigration groups, white supremacists, and others. And that's according to the National Immigration Forum. And apparently, the shooter in the the Buffalo shooter was touting the Great Replacement Theory as one of his motivations for doing this crude act. And of course, you know, white supremacists believe that, you know, the influx of immigrants by, you know, and people of color, more specifically, is going to lead to the extermination of the white race. Now, if you ask a sane person that's not on the left or the right, that's not an extremist or conspiracy theorist, they're going to tell you there's no way that anybody's going to be able to extinct the white race. That's just not possible at all. Now, Hitler got close to almost extincting the Jews, but... Thank God somebody we stepped in and intervened, yo. But do you know how hard it is to get rid of an entire race of people? People have tried. And somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if there's any people on earth that has succeeded. yo. So pushing this false narrative that, you know, there's going to be an extinction of white people. You have to be a crazy person to believe that at first. You really do. And there's just nothing logical about that that says that white people are going to become extinct. And so this is where the media deception comes in and starts to try to play with replacement theory and tries to get the sides doing and fighting against one another. So what the left is now saying is that Tucker Carlson is spreading replacement theory and blames they blame Tucker Carlson for motivating the Buffalo shooter. If you don't know who Tucker Carlson is, he is a Fox News host. And I'll be honest, I I have watched some of his stuff, but I've told you all before, I don't really watch the news. I really don't. Fox, CNN, MSNBC, I probably should, yo, but I just, man, I live the news for 12 hours a day on my shift. I have enough negativity in my life. I don't want to see it, man. I'm at home watching Gumby, whatever the hell else is on TV. Anything to take me away from police work, I don't know. But anything but the news. So I don't really get pulled into the whole Fox News, CNN thing. But I understand what's going on, though. Because I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I'm of decent you know, intelligence and common sense. But And what they're trying to say is that Tucker Carlson is pushing this replacement theory and that he's putting this out there and making people believe that the white race is going to become extinct. And that is not the case. I've seen enough of Tucker Carlson shows to know I think that he's a decent man, but he's pro-American. It's Fox News. It's a conservative media outlet. Well, kind of conservative. Depends on who you're talking to and what they're talking about and who's doing going about it. Yo, but man, what Tucker is doing is he's calling out the left for allowing and wanting illegal immigration to change the political landscape of America. And it's so funny because on the left you have, hey, white people hate you and they're afraid that you're going to be that and they're afraid that you're going to replace them by bringing in people of color and all these immigrants. They're racist and they hate you. But hey, we're going to open up the borders 
and just let you all keep pouring in. And then Tucker Carlson steps up and says, hey, this is America. We love everyone here, but we have rules and we have a border for a reason. And we don't need people just flowing in into our country without knowing who they are. And what the Democrats are really trying to do, which which is weird because it it's talked about in replacement theory. And the Democrats are really trying to bring forth replacement theory by constantly pushing for illegals to come into the country. But on the other side, Tucker Carlson is saying, no, let's keep America, America. Let's keep American values here. yo. But if we continue to let people in, you know, we're going to lose what our country stands for. And I'm all for diversity. I'm all for it, but I'm not for forced diversity, you know, and then and, and this is what I don't like about our country right now is we have these two sides, both using this so-called replacement theory, using it for their argument. And the truth is the left is guilty of it and the right's just as guilty of it as well. But I know people are saying, well, that's not true, Dexter. The left is not, you know, bringing in illegals to try to change the political landscape of the country. I'll challenge you to that. Think about last year. What was the big thing last year? That was DACA. In this article by Reuters from last year in 2021, in September, it said Senate Democrats hit roadblock and bid to help millions become U.S. citizens. Senate Democrats hit a major roadblock on Sunday in their effort to allow millions of immigrants to legally stay in the United States after the Senate parliamentary ruled against attaching the measure to a $3.5 trillion spending bill, lawmakers said. The provision aimed to give a path to citizenship for millions, including so-called dreamer immigrants brought to the United States as children who are protected from deportation under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, the DACA program. So who's right and who's wrong on this? You could try to sit here and say that the Democrats aren't pushing for replacement theory, trying to change the political landscape. If that doesn't say that, I don't know what I don't know what else to tell you. Why else would they just want millions and millions of people here? Because these people are going to come here and of course they're going to vote Democrat because the Democrats welcomed us here. The Democrats brought us here. I got to vote Democrat. You know? And I'm never voting Republican. They didn't want us here. You know? But you got to look at it as from my standpoint, man. I'm an American citizen and I love people, but I don't want my country to be overrun with illegal immigrants just illegally entering at the border, changing the values of American life as I have known them and the values of American life that I'm raising my family with. And one has to ask and question, why does the Biden administration, why did they instantly halt the border wall and have yet to address the madness at the border? And nothing has been done about it. And this is not me being insensitive to the fact that you know, but there are people in other countries around the world that have a hard life that are being targeted and unjustly treated by their governments and gangs and whatnot. And a lot of people that want to come here are good people there. But there are other pathways to get here. And yes, I believe that we need to make the pathways to come to America a little bit easier and a little less strenuous. But we just can't let everybody up in here. There's a reason why if there's people walking down my street, I don't just go outside. Hey, y'all want to come in real quick? I live in the suburbs. I live in a nice area, but I don't trust everybody like that, dog. You coming to my house, I got to know who you are. And I feel the same way about my country. You are welcome, but I got to know who you are. 
And the fact is, we don't know who is pouring across the southern border. And the border is currently being overrun. And I have friends that still work down on the border. Some of my best friends, my peeps, man. And they're telling me it's still crazy down there. But it's not being reported in the news. And this administration, the Biden administration, has failed on border policy. But I'll be honest, there's really no, it's not that much different than any other administration, man. The border's been a mess in this country for decades at this point. So to say it's a Republican thing and not a Democrat thing or vice versa is absolutely wrong. But we can't ignore the fact that, you know, Vice President Harris, she made one quick trip down to the border. And when she was there, all she said was one thing. Do not come. Do not come. I'm going to come. Whoa, how did that clip get in there? (laughs) Whoa, Mr. President, that is not how we talk to people and do business, sir. (laughs) My boy Trump on that one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know something wrong with me. I know, I know. (laughs) You know, but like I was saying, it's really the issue at the border is not really a Republican or Democrat thing at this point. Both parties are guilty for allowing it to continue. You mean to tell me that America, one of the greatest countries in the world with the strongest militaries and top technology, man, we have invaded multiple countries over the last 50 years and taken them over and submitted them to our will. But you mean to tell me that America, we can't stop Juan and Guadalupe and their 20 children from illegally crossing the border, but we can do all this other stuff? I'm not buying it. I'm I'm not buying it. That's not real. So either we can stop it or we can't. And we can. We just don't want to. Somebody's benefiting off of illegal immigration. That's all I'm going to say. And I think it's both Republicans and Democrats. Hence why nobody wants it to stop. And so, like I said, the deception with the media continues. You know, they want you to believe that Tucker Carlson is just some evil white guy that hates people of color and minorities. And that's not the case. Like I said, he, just like me, he's simply fighting to keep America, America. He's fighting to keep the America that he knows intact. The same reason I keep fighting for America. I love this country. I love everything about America. We're not great. I mean, we're we're great, but we're not perfect. We're not flawless. We got our issues. But I think America is a great place. And I know that is why people want to come here. But it also depends on your perspective of America And it depends on how you see America. Not everybody sees America the same way, unfortunately. Case in point, the squad. If you don't know who the squad is, they are my least favorite group of politicians currently in the United States from the House of Representatives. It is one of the most bumbling idiots that I still can't believe is in office. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. My Spanish is horrible. My bad. Ilhan Omar, the freaking Somali lunatic. And then you have Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. And then you have the Jew-hating politician, Rashida Tlaib herself. These chicken head heifers hate America, plain and simple. But yet, they want you to believe that Tucker Carlson is the only one out here spreading hate. And I say Tucker Carlson is not out here spreading hate, but they definitely are. If you don't believe me, 
go back and Google some of those names to see some of the things that they have said about America and some of the things they have said about the Jewish people. Endless. I mean, hell, Ilhan Omar, how are you a U.S. You know, representative for your state? And you won't even acknowledge the horrors of 9-11 and say what it was. It was terrorism. All she said was some people did some things. Just completely subverting the fact that, yes, America was attacked by Islamic terrorists. She won't, she won't even admit it. But yet, this is the person that gets elected to office to represent the country, you know, her state? I don't think so. And that is what people are fighting about with the border. We don't want more people like that coming here. We want you to come here, but listen, if you're coming from a war-torn country and a country with issues, you're welcome here, but don't bring those problems and those values to this country. You can keep your culture. You can keep your, you know, all the things you have done for your family and all that over the years, but there are just certain things in this country that you cannot do. You know, in Arab countries, they have honor killings, and in Japan, we can't have that here, but at the same time, let's be honest, we got that here too. What you think going on in the hood when somebody kills your homeboy? I'm going to go clap back. What's an honor killing just of a different type? But that is frowned upon as well. But, you know, I find it so odd that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Department of Homeland Security has decided to pause its disinformation you know, accountability board that they were trying to start up, a.k.a. the Thought Police. All of a sudden, man, they got so much pushback on that thing and they realized that it was going nowhere. And the person that they hired to be in charge of it stepped down and said, hell no, I'm not doing it because she was getting death threats. If there's one thing we don't want in this country is we don't want the thought police. We don't need a ministry of truth here. And I also think they realize, well, who's going to investigate all these damn lies we telling? So maybe this isn't a good idea. This is going to make us look stupid. So. I am very happy to say that that whole stupid ass ideal is being done with and going away. Hopefully it stays dead and doesn't come back because that was just, you know what, as crazy as politicians are in this country and as crazy as we have some people are in this country, I'm glad that most people, even on either side of the aisle, could be like, yo, that's a real bad ideal. Starting a disinformation board, you know, and trying to control people's thoughts like that's. That's a road that's, you know, that's a bridge too far for many people. So, you know, it's a slimmer of hope in this crazy country that we live in as we're getting ready to roll to the uh, 2022 midterm elections. But now what you all are here for because of the title of my podcast. But before I roll further, I need to go ahead and make a second disclaimer about guilty and about innocence. So this next segment, before I start, I got to say, I am not implying who is guilty. I am not implying who is innocent. I am not trying to discredit this department, officers, detectives, or so-called victims. I am simply giving you all my perspective as a free American citizen under the First Amendment not as an official representative of the Louisville Metro Police Department. And just in case LMPD Command or PSU or PIU or who the hell ever, whatever salty-ass hater is listening to this show, let me say it again louder for the people in the back. I am not implying who is guilty 
or who was innocent. I am not trying to discredit this department, officers, detectives, or so-called victims. That is not the purpose of this whatsoever. So with that said, I need you all to realize one thing. None of the stuff I'm about to talk about is unique to the Louisville Metro Police Department. You could go to any large police department or any large corporation or business and you could find a lot of these same issues. Any place you go and find a large group of people in a community, you will find these problems. These stories and claims are old and there is no secret about any of the stuff that has been uncovered about the Louisville Metro Police Department. I know of the mentioned officers in this news report, and I have worked with some directly. Some I have talked to in passing, but I cannot say I know them all personally or attest to their integrity or character. Therefore, I cannot assume their innocence or guilt. But I will say this. Where there is smoke, there's 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 a fire. There's likely fire. And I have to say this going forward as well. A majority of the police officers on this police department are good, honest, hardworking, upstanding people who just want to provide for their families and take care of the city. That is a majority of the police officers on this department, and I will stand by that any day of the week. I am proud to work with the people I work with every day and call them my sisters and brothers. But I have to acknowledge, we all have to acknowledge that there is an underbelly on this police department, just like with any other police department or organization or business. And there is always a small percentage of wolves in sheep's clothing. And we need to remember this one thing as well. Not every cop who puts on a uniform is a good person. And we also have to say this as well. Every person who claims to be a victim who makes outlandish allegations against the police is telling the truth. See, criminals can be victims and victims are known to lie and embellish for self-preservation and personal gain. So Vice News aired a two-part series on LMPD. The first part was called a pattern of sexual misconduct and the sec- second part sex. <laughs> and the second part was called miscon- uh, missing money and drugs. And so I'm giving my perspective on it and I'm telling my thoughts on it. And some of you are asking, why would you acknowledge this? Why would you even talk about it? It's complete bullshit, Dex. You shouldn't even say anything about it. And I'm doing this because I believe in the thin blue line. And I believe in what this uniform and badge represents. My job is not to protect the thin blue line, but to protect the citizens of this country, this community, but also to protect the honor, dignity and integrity of the thin blue line the best way. And the best way to do that is to acknowledge the flaws and issues within this department and within our profession. Plain and simple. What kind of cop or officer would I be? If I could only point out the good things that we did, if I only pointed out the great parts of the job and the great things that our officers did. But if I turned my head away from something that was ugly, that made us all look bad and I didn't acknowledge it. If I looked the other way when a cop was doing something wrong. 
and I didn't confront them, I feel like I would be turning my back on what the thin blue line means. And so for me, I felt as though I had to say something about this, this two-part news series. And some people are going to hate me for it, maybe. Some people are going to not care. A lot of people probably won't listen. I don't know. I don't know what anybody's going to do. But I'm going to put in my two cents, as I always do. But as I said before, you know, once again, it's not this stuff is not unique to policing. You could find bad apples and corruption in all career fields and all different forms and levels of government. But for some odd reason, the focus is always on the police. I don't know what it is, but it's always us. I mean, we've had people here on our Metro Council get caught doing stuff illegal and underhanded, under shady, underhanding deals. We've had people from the mayor's office get caught in parking lots doing the unholy slip and slide in the back of a car. We've had people getting domed up in a Mexican restaurant in the parking lot that worked for the mayor. I ain't saying no names. But the Lord knows the Lord is watching you. You better repent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, man, people are going to be people at the end of the day, man. And so, you know, for me, like I said, it's, it's not unique to LMPD. Man, you can find this stuff everywhere. But unfortunately, with the Louisville Metro Police Department in the last two years with Breonna Taylor and all this stuff, I mean, police departments have just been at the forefront of everything. And before I really get started, I want to send a big freaking shout out to Vice News. Man, everybody give Vice News a hand. What we clapping for, Dex? What we clapping for? We are clapping because Vice News is the first ever news organization to acknowledge the facts of what happened at Breonna Taylor's house on that fateful night that she died. They are the first ones to acknowledge the fact that there was possibly drug money there and that Bree Bree was holding that money, that drug money, dog. They are the first one to acknowledge it. We've known this for two years. The city's known it. Every local news station has known it. Everybody's known it, but nobody's ever said it. And Vice News is the first to say it. But that's only because they believe that we stole the damn money. And by we, I mean the Louisville Metro Police Department. So that's the only reason they're acknowledging it. So can we get rid of the Breeway signs and the Breeze the Queen and all this bull crap and Bree Bree, you know, she didn't deserve to die? No, she didn't deserve to die. But y'all making it seem like this chick was just innocent, chilling, and we just came up in there and just ba ba da ba 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 just shooting up everybody. That was not the case. They were there with a warrant for a reason. And thank you, Vice News, for finally acknowledging it, even though you all did it from a really shitty, scummy place. Because that is why I hate the flipping media. You're only doing it to try to make the police look bad. So all these other stories that Vice News did on Louisville and Breonna Taylor, you know, making her this innocent bystander. So it's all been bullshit and you all just admitted to it. So thank you for finally acknowledging your faults, <laughs> but only because you want to take the police department down with you. Man, that is some <laughs> that is freaking low. Damn, man. If I was a protester here in Louisville, I'd be. I'd, hey, man, 
load the car up. I don't care how much gas is. We go into Vice News headquarters and we protesting. Man, they just turn on us. They put out this news, man. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So Vice News, you can't see it right now, but I got my middle finger up to both of them. Y'all can go get bent with your bullshit. But even though I am mad at Vice News, I still have to acknowledge the series that they did. And the first one we're going to talk about is the first episode, Sexual Misconduct Allegations. And a pattern, you know, it's a pattern of sexual misconduct at the Louisville Metro Police Department. So do I believe in the stories and all the allegations brought forward by these female victims in this newscast about, you know, there were there were confidential informants for officers and detectives. You know, and they were saying that, you know, they were sexually you know, assaulted and, you know, forced to perform sex acts and doing all this stuff and giving drugs. Do I believe it? Here's what I'll tell you. It's not a matter of me believing it or a matter of me not believing it. I believe some stuff has happened. And but my question is. But my question is, how much of what is being presented is true? How much is being exaggerated and how much is completely false? The truth is in there somewhere. I just don't know where. And for like I said, I'm not here to assume guilt on anybody. I'm not here to say who's innocent or guilty. I don't know. Yo. But what I can tell you is that if you told me that there's officers on this department that are sexual deviants and have done some crazy shit, and there are officers that have taken advantage of women in uniform, yeah, I'll believe you. Absolutely, I'll believe you. But I'm going to tell you, yes, it's not... Do victims lie? Yeah, victims lie. People lie all the time. We're the police. People lie to us all the time on a continually, continual basis. That's just the nature of this job and the nature of people. But as I said earlier, not everybody in uniform is a good person. Not everybody in uniform lives by the code that I live by and has the same morals and values that I have. And like I said, that's not to say that I hold the moral high ground, yo, but man, you know, uh, I'm almost stumped on this one because you, I love this police department. But at the same time, I've been around long enough and I have seen and heard enough stories and enough rumors to know that. Yeah, I'm sure there's shady shit going on on this department sexually between officers and victims. But I don't have any proof to show that. All I have is this Vice News investigation, which we've already showed you, I can't 100% trust Vice News because they're only going to say and put out what they want for their agenda and their narrative. And they just willing, they just willingly threw the whole Breonna Taylor thing under the bus just to get this news story out, just to make the police look bad. So, is Vice News coming in with an agenda and with a bias? Of course. But I feel like it would be wrong for me to speak on this and say that all of these allegations are false. All these women are here lying and all these officers are innocent. That would be wrong. And that would be extremely biased of me to just go ahead and say that. And I wouldn't be able to live with myself saying that because like I said, I've not seen anything myself personally. 
But, oh, boy, the rumor mill around this place when it gets going, dog. Let me take a drink. Mm. I've heard some things over the last 12 years that <laughs> I was like, what? But hearing things from third, fourth, and fifth party don't mean nothing. You know, that... <laughs> You know, those third person accounts mean nothing in the court of law necessarily. You know, it's a <laughs> hearsay, man, and hearsay don't go very far. But at the same time, I look at this department and some of the stories that have broken loose over the years. For example, if you Google LMPD Explore program, you will see that whole debacle that left a stain on the soul of this department and will be with us forever as a department. You know, and if you don't know what the Explorers case was, we had a LMPD Explorer program where young people that were considering a career in police work, they would come and be mentored by current officers and they take them on these trips and do all this training and all this cool stuff. And well, we had officers on there that were taking advantage of their position and taking advantage of some of these young kids and having sex with them. And now, of course, Two of those officers have been found guilty and thrown in jail. And I'm okay with that because those guys don't deserve to be officers. They don't deserve to wear the same uniform that I wear. You know, they don't deserve to be in this profession. If you're going to do that to a kid that you're supposed to be mentoring and taking care of, you know, you're supposed to be growing them, not grooming them. And for that to happen on this department, Multiple times it be brought to leadership and command and nothing get done about it. And then to have the program shut down and then reopened. That's a problem. And we can't ignore that. And now, yes, it's kind of been done with and over. Well, it's not really done with and over. It's still sort of being investigated. And, you know, even I hear that it's coming to an end soon. You know, so people are going to get ready to get paid out. But. It's just a stain on this department, man. And I remember one day I was at the uh, I was at the little gas station over by First and Liberty where I work. And I was talking to some people after this, you know, story about the LMPD Explorer scandal broke. And I remember her just said, well, y'all out here fucking kids. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not. Never have. Never will, man. But she said, it don't matter. That's your boys. And I was like, man, damn. And it's just like, what do you say? I can tell her all day. That's not all of us. But it takes one or two bad apples to spoil the bunch. And, man, I have seen bad apple after bad apple in this job. And that's not to say it's, I mean, we're a department, man, at one point in time was at strength of, like, what, 2,500, 3,000 officers? I can't remember at this point. Who knows what the numbers are now, yo, but... If you have that many officers, yo, and you have one, two, I mean, 10 officers of that 3,000, that's nothing. It's still a problem, but you can't expect to have a police force that's full of perfect people. But you're going to have some psychopaths and some deviants and some psychos that get through the hiring process and get in this uniform and go out here into the streets and take advantage of people and take advantage of women. It happens, and it's not just here. It's happened everywhere. Hell, I was just telling y'all last week about the officer in San Jose who decided to take his dick out on the scene and start beating it in front of a victim at their house. 
I mean, it's this stuff happens, man. And for any officer to say all of it's false and not true, that's irresponsible. You know, that's <laughs> and it's unrealistic, you know, it's but and it's unfortunate because you would think that officers you'd be able to trust every officer you come across. And for the most part, you can. For the most part, man, nine, like nine times out of 10, you, know, you can trust an officer. Yeah, but there's always that stinking ass 1% of these some scumbags that get in uniform and carry out these lewd acts and just make the rest of us look like crap. Yo, and they get away with it for years somehow. And it drives me crazy. Yo. I remember when I was in the academy, they told us a story of this officer here in Louisville. I can't remember if he was a county officer or if he was a city officer, because back in the day, it was the Louisville Division of Police, which was downtown and such. Then you had the Jefferson County Police Department, which took care of the outer layers of the county. But in 2003, they all combined and became the Louisville Metro Police Department. But we were told about this officer that was going around downtown picking up homeless dudes and blowing them in the back of his police car. This was apparently, I think, in the early 90s. And so somehow, I can't remember the story exactly, but this guy eventually ends up getting caught. And nobody believed this homeless dude when he said, hey, man, this officer found me downtown and threatened to take me to jail if, he didn't, if I didn't let him blow me. <laughs> you know, and then somehow this officer gets found out and he gets fired from the police department. And then, you know, we had officers, you know, I mean, there's so much other stuff that has happened on this department sexually, you know, with, I remember there was an officer who it was right when I first got to my uh, police department in my first assignment, there's an officer. I mean, it even made, I think it was like the Conan O'Brien show or what, one of them late night shows officer was freaking in his car apparently jacking off on traffic stops and <laughs> doing all types of stuff and checking his little profile on the sex page and stuff. Y'all, it's like, what the heck is going on? You know, we recently, we've had officers that, uh, <sighs> taking pictures of themselves getting blown in their car and disseminating the photo throughout everywhere and taking pictures of females. And such. I mean, we've had some crazy shit happen here over the years. I mean, hell, just up north in Indiana, this article came out the other day that said an Indiana State Police trooper faces battery charges after sniffing female co-worker, pushing her towards his groin. An Indiana State Police trooper admitted to grabbing a female co-worker by the back of her head and then forcing her face toward his groin and saying, here's a way for you to earn the money. Like, what? Like, where? And why? Why does this stuff happen? You know, there is no nothing I can tell you. There's no excuse for this type of behavior. And I understand that, you know, boys will be boys. You know, we joke and we say dumb crap all the time. And, you know, men going to be men. But there's just certain lines you don't cross. And that's a line that you don't cross. You don't put your hands on somebody. One and two, you definitely don't do that to a female a sister in blue. And we're supposed to take care of our sisters in blue. Not treat them like garbage. And, and my God, man, I've I've heard so much stuff over the years. So for me to say that all these allegations are false, that would be <laughs> very, very short sighted. Like I said, although I do know false allegations do happen. How do I know? I've been the victim of false allegations before. 
I have been on scenes where, you know, I remember me and my partners years ago, I think it was like 2016. We stopped these couple in a car behind a building, private property, trespassing. Get them out the car. The boyfriend's got weed. She's white. He's black. We lock him up. We take him to jail. Next thing you know, we come to work. Hey, this lady's saying y'all groped her and sexually assaulted her. I was so happy when I realized, hey, we got body cameras now, dog. Yo, go watch that camera and exonerate me and my boys right now, yo, because that that is not what happened. And guess what? It went away. But still, in the back of my mind, it's stressful because it's like, damn, like, why me? Like, why? Why am I being lied on? That is a horrible feeling being the, you know, the end of being at the brunt of a false allegation, especially when you know you're a decent person. And it happens all the time with officers. People lie, man. I told you all victims will lie because, you know, they they get to a situation or they get caught doing something. They want to save themselves and save their name and reputation. They will lie on an officer in a heartbeat. And I've had it happen to me multiple times. I've had women tell me, I'm going to tell them you tried to rape me. And that is why I am to this day so happy. Like I said, we got body cameras, man. I remember when I first got my body camera. I can't remember what year it is. My God. But I, man, I was offended at first when I first got a body camera. Because to me, me having a body camera meant that my word as a cop was no longer good in the court of law or anybody. You know, a cop's word used to mean something. But now a a cop's word means nothing and I hate that. Yo, it's like if it's not on body camera, that means it didn't happen. So we've reached this point in America and in law enforcement, yo, where the cops are the cops word is no different or no better than a criminal. Yo, and that's unfortunate because most cops are good people, yo, but we have those instances of cops going out of their way lying and doing the wrong thing. And like I said, that affects all of us and we all suffer because of that. And the one thing that also drives me crazy about a lot of these allegations that once everything's gone to court and an officer is found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and, you know, the officer goes to jail. Of course, the one thing that drives me crazy is the fact that some officers will still come out and stand by the accused officer. Even after the facts, like with the LMPD Explore scandal. Apparently, there are still officers that stand by and defend the two officers that went to jail behind this thing that was screwing little kids, underage kids. Crazy, man. Not me. Not me. And the crazy part is for me is that I remember meeting one of them officers. and I was like, man, something's wrong with this dude. This dude is not right. And just extreme creeper vibes, man. I believe in vibes and I've always had that vibe from that dude. But the other officer that got in trouble, I never saw it coming. I ain't going to lie. Never saw it coming. It didn't even cross my mind when I heard his name. I was like, what? what? He did what? Caught me off guard because I didn't expect that from him. He didn't seem like that type of person from me. But just goes to show, just because we work at the same police department, wear the same uniform, don't mean we got the same integrity, don't mean we got the same moral compass or the same values. Just because we wear the same uniform don't mean we brothers, dog. Does not mean that we are not automatically kin. You have to show and prove to me that you are my brother. And that is by doing the right thing.
you have to earn my brotherhood. It's just not automatically given. You know, it's like I, I have to know you and really see you and understand and that and trust you with not just my life and my career, but the people we're serving. And for the most part, most of the officers I come across, I can trust them with all that stuff. But as I say, there's some officers around that sometimes I talk to, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and I'm like, how in the hell did you get hired here? And unfortunately, I think we're going to have a lot more of that going on. And I've said that in the, on this podcast before, because we're lowering our standards, because we're hurting for numbers, and we're getting desperate, and we are sacrificing quality to have a little bit of quantity. And so the second part of this series goes into cops stealing money and cops stealing drugs. So before I get into this and start talking about the narc world, I need y'all to know something. When I was getting into law enforcement back in 2009, 2010, my goal was to become a narcotics officer. I, I was hell bent on doing it. That's all I wanted to do. I used to watch Gangland and all these shows about you know, going undercover, narcotics bus. Like, I wanted to be that dude. But soon, upon becoming a cop and hitting the streets, I then learned how the game was played and realized that my personality was not that of a narcotics officer. I could do the job, but I wouldn't have been real good at it. And it just wouldn't have been a fit for me, my personality-wise. And now I have done specialized units. I did the U.S. Marshals Task Force. I think I gave him a shout out at the beginning of the show, but I'm still cussing them out for for, for us having to come up and clean up their mess and deal with their protests. But uh, that's besides the point. It's <laughs> getting off track. But, yeah, you know, I did my time in the U.S. Marshals to Fugitive Task Force and I really liked it and enjoyed it. And all we did was pretty much we tracked down people that there was already probable cause to arrest and people that have already had warrants. For me, that job was very clear cut and dry job. See bad guy with warrant, arrest bad guy with warrant. The drug game, though, that's a whole different ball game, a whole different story. And I said, I am not a narcotics officer. I've got my fair share of drugs, but I'm not I'm not the dope police. I'm just not as much as I wanted to be. It wasn't in me, man. But I I've learned over time that the dope game is dirty on both sides when it comes to that. You know, when it comes to the law and it gets very personal and that is something I just did not want to involve myself in. And I'm not saying that it's dirty on the police side as in, you know, the all dope cops, dirty cops. I'm just saying it's just, it's a dirty game, man. <laughs> you mess with people's money, drugs and their money, but people get sensitive and people will kill your ass over it, you know? And so for me, as I was watching the second part of this documentary, a lot of the people, the victims in the second part of the story, they were alleged drug dealers. And so, you know, they're just trying to play this role in the second part. Like, oh, just poor me. I was laying in bed and all of a sudden the cops came in for no reason and they just whooped my ass in front of my daughters. You know, and it's just like, bro, the cops just don't go willy nilly breaking into anybody's house and beating them. That just don't happen. Now, have cops gone to the wrong house on a warrant before? It has happened, yo, but your house, <laughs> they was there for a reason. And that is a very rare mistake that happens, yo. But, you know, the, you're just not going to make me believe that all the people in this document, in this uh, news story, especially the victims, are just innocent. And they're, they're, I wasn't doing drugs. I didn't have any drugs. 
They put those drugs there. Has it happened? Yeah, it has happened. But that's not the norm at all. That is not the norm with our narcotics officers here, man. We have some phenomenal narcotics officers. So these people, like I said, they don't get any pity from me as they try to play innocent. Like I said, the drug game's dirty, bro. You can't trust these people out here. You can't trust your confidential informants. You can't trust nobody. Only person you can trust when you're doing these narcotics investigations is your fellow officers. But that's not always the case for all narcotics officers. And, you know, we have a saying in police work. Today's victim is tomorrow's suspect. Think about it. Ponder that. Today's victim is tomorrow's suspect. You could be a victim one day. Why? Man, I'm just chilling in my house, and all of a sudden, man, these dudes just ran up in my house and put guns in my face, and they took all my money. How much money did they take, sir? Man, I had $20,000 stashed up in here. What do you do for a living? Oh, nothing, man. I just cut grass, dog. Man, I'm disabled, man. I get a check, dog. Where do you get $20,000? Oh, man, just my friends give me money. Come on, dog. Really, though? Really? Man, <laughs> then the next day, we get another call. And now all of a sudden, that dude that was a victim yesterday, he is now the suspect in a shooting. Because like I said, dope game's dirty, man. There ain't no there ain't no loyalty in the dope game. There ain't no friends. And so with that said, I as I was watching the second part of this story, I do have to say that I at least have some respect for what the one guy, the one white guy in there that was like, yeah. I had dope. I was selling dope. <laughs> he was straight up and honest. And I was like, you know what? I like an honest person, man. This dude was like, oh, yeah, I was pushing weight, dog. <laughs> and I got caught. <laughs> but when it came to the money side of things, there's one thing that a dope dealer knows. They know how much money they have to the T. These cats, this money, th th why do you think they sell dope? They ain't selling dope to be friendly to the community. They selling dope to get that money. They, everybody care. I ain't even a dope dealer. I care about my money. You can ask me right now how much is in my account. I will be able to tell you to the cent what is actually in my account right now. Because so I check my account all the time because I care about my money. Do you think a dope dealer is going to not know how much money he's got? That dude know how much money he's got all the damn time. And so when I was listening to the second part of the story and he was saying, man, there was a lot more money than that. And he believes that the officers took some of that money. I had to think to myself for a second. I would be a fool if I thought every cop in uniform or every cop on duty did the right thing every time and turned in all the money that they seized. And this is when narcotics officers weren't wearing body cameras and listen i'm let me reiterate i'm not saying they stole all this money i don't know i don't have proof i'm not saying that all these officers are bad i'm not saying they took it i'm not saying they didn't i don't know i don't have proof and there are a lot of allegations with no proof in this series but there have been plenty of examples of officers on lmpd and across the country that have been caught with their hands in the cookie jar. That's just real talk. Like I said, it ain't just here. It's everywhere, man. People still. And unfortunately, we have officers that could possibly on the take. For example, 
in 2020. We had an officer here that uh, can't remember if he resigned or got fired, but it was last year. But he had an incident in uh, 2020 where he was charged with official misconduct and drug trafficking. He was seizing drugs from people <laughs> while he was handling their cases, but then giving the drugs to a woman he was in a relationship with. You know, one of the allegations in this thing was, you know, yeah, cops were offering me drugs and, you know, to their CIs. And is that a possibility? you damn right it's a possibility. I'd be a fool to think otherwise. And then we had other people in this news story saying that, you know, they had thousands of dollars that were missing. You know, they and they, they were throwing out some pretty heavy numbers and big numbers, dog. Like I said, I don't, you know what, dude, it's a drug dealer. Drug dealers lie, bro, just saying. There's... I, I don't know a drug dealer that tells the truth. I'll be honest. <laughs> anything to stay out of jail and anything to keep their money, yo. But at the same time, he, if he's caught, you know, you got money. Why lie about how much money you got? I mean, <laughs> at that point, it really don't matter, yo. But, man, you know, and for me, when I think about those large numbers, that large number of money missing, I have to think back to 2016. We had a large story here of a LMPD detective that pled guilty to stealing over $74,000 from UPS shipments while working drug interdiction. $74,000. The rumor I heard was, yo, they went to his house and they found that shit stashed in the ceiling and in the walls. I mean, it was on some Hollywood shit from what I heard. You know, and I said, I didn't know the detective personally. So, yeah, I mean, but just for me, it's like... To hear these allegations that, you know, officers are stealing money and drugs. Like I said, I would be a fool to say all these allegations are false and none of them are true. When there's <laughs> multiple examples of cops going out of the way to do the wrong thing. And not just that. I mean, we've had officers found guilty of stealing time, you know, double dipping and over the years and just defrauding and defunding the government. You know, <laughs> there's just countless examples, man. And, you know, for me, just watching this story, like I said, I don't think there's anyone that can say, any officer in uniform that can sit here and say, all of this shit is false. Bro, you are lying to yourself. And I'm not telling you to assign guilt to anybody, but we cannot be that naive as police officers to think, that everyone is like us in this uniform, in this profession, because that is just not the case. And there are too many stories from this department and any and other departments across the country that have had similar problems. And now I'm not saying all this to just crap on my police department. I'm not. Like I said, if I can acknowledge all the good we do, I would be a horrible officer to turn my back on the bad things and the negative press that comes out of this police department. And like I said, I don't like Vice News, but man, <laughs> like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire, man. You know, there's just some allegations that should automatically be shot down because now, 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 this now, this dude's a solid dude, man. If there's an allegation made against somebody, I know that's a solid officer. I will stand up for that officer because if I know them personally and I can attest to their character and integrity. But if it came out at the end of it that that officer was guilty, bro, I would be so hurt because that means you've been lying to me and showing me a false version of you. 
and you're just presenting yourself to me in a certain way. But when my back's turned, you're a completely different person. You're taking advantage of people and hurting people. And I take that personally because those people you're hurting are the people that I love and I have sworn to protect and help. And you put it on that uniform. There's a lot of weight and responsibility that comes with that uniform, man. And I don't take it lightly. And I am proud of what I have done for the city. I'm proud of my time on this department. But man, no matter how bad these vice news stories would have been, I don't know how much is false. I don't know how much is true. I just don't. But it's embarrassing. It really is, man. The fact that this stuff is even remotely coming out is just like, it should not be happening because as police officers, we're supposed to be above average. I mean, we're supposed to have more integrity. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to be committed to doing the right thing. But guess what? At the end of the day, cops are just people. And we are all messed up in one way or another. And some of us might not want to believe it or accept it, but we are all we are not all that dissimilar to the people we arrest, take to jail and bring to justice. The only thing that separates us is a uniform and an oath. That's it. But even though they're the only thing that separates us, at the end of the day, that suspect and that cop, they are both human and both have worldly desires. That's we're humans. We all typically want the same, want and need the same things, man. And we just make different life choices to get to those things that we want. And one person does not hold the moral high ground above another person because none of us are the true moral standard. You know, it sounds like this would be a good time to talk about Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but at the same time, you know what? Even then, I have seen some of the best of Christ followers and best Christians I know, myself included, make horrible decisions. And if you ask me, it's all just part of the human condition and this journey called life that we're all on together trying to figure out. So, whew, yeah, that one got a little heavy, man. That got a little deep, deep as I'm in this bottle of bourbon, this bottle of blade and bow. You probably hear it in my voice. I probably should slow down a little bit. But thank God I ain't got to work in the morning and I ain't got to go deal with no protesters. So I'm going to keep on shipping. But so that's pretty much the end of the show. But if you all follow me on any of my social media pages, Instagram, I am Pitt's book, Facebook, I am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot or my personal page, which I ain't going to say on here. If you know me, you know me. If you don't, you don't. Tough luck. But, uh, you know, I got this new segment I'm trying to start here called Ask Dex. And so the whole purpose of this segment is for people to try to get to know me a little better, even though I'm an open book and I put it all out there before. yo. But I'm sure there's people that still have certain questions with due to my experience and my, you know, just my life in general. And like I said, there's no holds bars on these questions. So if somebody has a question for me, I want you to reach out to me. Send me an email to I am pits at yahoo.com. And if you want to remain anonymous, please let me know because your, you know, your privacy is important to me. And if you got a question and you don't want nobody to know who you are, please tell me up front and I will respect that wish. 
Like I say, you know, if you're a fan of the show, hey, I want you to keep coming back. I don't want to piss you off. Then you get on there and leave me a rate and say, man, this fool, he docks me, man. He let my name out on the show. So if you don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want to be known, please let me know in the email. And like I said, ask me whatever question, man. I'm an open book. I really don't care. Serious, not serious. It really don't matter, dog. Just bring it at me. So I got an email the other day from a guy. It says, hello, Mr. Pitts. Oh, boy. Nobody calls me Mr. Pitts. Only people that call me Mr. Pitts are debt collectors. <laughs> I don't like debt collectors, sir. <laughs> no, you ain't got to call me Mr. Pitts, bro. Just call me Dex, man. That's why it's called X Dex. Man, we all friends, man. This ain't got to be formal. But I appreciate the respect, though. Thank you for reaching out, homie. It says, I am curious what your thoughts are on Chief Shields encrypting LMPD channels one through four and giving the general public a feed with a 15 minutes delay. Also, I want to get a signed copy of your book. Thank you. So, I will say this. I think what Chief Shields with that, putting that 15 minute delay on the radio should have been done a long time ago, sir. And so you might ask, why do I feel like it should have been done a long time ago? So I would tell you to be concerned if it was the fact that, hey, we're shutting down all communications and nobody's going to be able to listen to the police radio, period. If that would have been the case, it, I would tell you to go downtown and raise hell. It, like, hey, yeah, now I would have your back on that one. Yo, but the fact that there's a 15 minute delay is a good thing for us in law enforcement, because what happens in the crime world? Criminals download scanner apps when people are getting ready to roll up and hit another crew. You know, hey, they listen to the scanner to see where the police is at or people. You know, we had an incident the other night where a guy barricaded himself in his house. And if he's listening to the radio, he's able to listen to us in real time. And if he's able to listen to us in real time, he is able to hear our plans. And if he's able to hear our plans, he can counter our plans and continue to get ahead of us, constantly putting us behind constantly putting us at a disadvantage and that person then has the advantage and the element of surprise putting us in danger so with a 15 minute delay this person's getting the info but it's not happening for 15 minutes which gives us a 15 minute buffer to develop a plan and carry it out so that 15 minute delay is a lifesaver for us it is a very good thing for the police department i mean man you're not missing out on anything Trust me, it's all there. It's just coming 15 minutes later, man. So that's, you know, that's my whole take on that thing. And if you want a book, hey, bro, you know what to do. Drop me an email at impits at yahoo.com, and I will tell you how to get a signed copy from me. And so I have also one more question from my homie, Brett Hadfield. I remember Brett, he uh, bought my book not too long ago. Brett asked me, I was hoping you could answer on your podcast, when do you think your audio book will come out? Brett, I am hoping and praying that I have the audio book out, hopefully in June or July. Brother, I am in this closet right now, slaving away on this podcast temporarily at the moment. But I'm only in the closet because of the acoustics in here. And it's hot as hell. And I'm sweating, drinking bourbon, and getting ready to drink a little bit of Gatorade. Because <laughs> I'm about to be dehydrated. It's hot in here, but... I'm in here because I am working so hard on the audiobook, man, and I just want the sound and the acoustics to be right because when I submit the book to Audible, it has to be certain parameters and all this and all this jargon I don't know anything about. 
but I've hired a guy that's going to do some of my editing and fixing the sound quality and stuff. Yo, so I've already hired him. I've already paid him. And he's just waiting on me to finish out reading the chapters. And yes, I am reading my own audiobook. I tried to get Morgan Freeman, but he wasn't available. So you're going to be listening to my sweet, sweet voice for probably about 10 hours. So currently, I think I'm on chapter 17. And my God, I think I have 28 chapters. So, man, I'll tell you what, it is a labor of love sitting in this hot ass closet and reading your own book. And I'll be honest, man, as I read in my book, I realize there's so many errors and it makes me so freaking mad because I paid a guy to go and edit my book for me and proofread it. A lot of money. And I'm finding a lot of errors and I'm not very happy about it. I'm not going to say his name on the show, but he told me he was like, man, if anybody says anything about the errors, man, you just blame it on me. And he's a good dude, man. But I, whew, my God, there's a lot of errors, man. I am. Not very happy about it because, you know, this is my life story. This is my book. This is like my legacy. And you want it to be perfect. And I'm a, I'm not a perfectionist, but I wanted it to be a certain way. And what I paid versus what I got, man, it really, I ain't gonna lie, it really hurt me. It really hurt me when I was just seeing all these errors and I didn't expect because, you know, I trusted this guy to do this work and it didn't get done, but I paid for it. But it is what it is, man. So I'm going through, I'm definitely going to go back and do a second edition of my book and correct a lot of the errors. So people that are reading it, man, I apologize. <laughs> I didn't realize how many errors there were until I was going through again, reading it myself out loud. Like, damn, I sound, I sound special. And I don't like that, yo. But, you know, like I said, I had the uh, New York Times bestseller author that told me, like, dude, nobody's going to remember your book for your errors. It's a good book. And that coming from a, you know, a, a New York Times bestselling author, that made me feel good. And he also told me, you're way too hard on yourself. And I really am. So that's just part of me. I guess that's just the grunt in me. And that's just the, uh, just how I was raised, man. High expectations for myself. So that is that, Brett, man. I appreciate you all. And hey, like I said, if anybody else has any further questions about anything, doesn't matter what it is. It could be politics no sports i'll be honest i don't watch a lot of sports anymore just my thoughts on anything dog hit me up send your boy an email at iampits at yahoo.com and i will try to answer your question on the show like i said i got a book out with errors <laughs> if you all want to buy a copy of the book you can go to yahoo or excuse me you can go to amazon.com type in i am pits and you can get a copy there or go to my website iampits.com and there's links to take you to order the book there at different places or if you want to order from me directly and have the book signed, you can buy it from me directly. Send me an email at iampits at yahoo.com and I'll tell you how to go through that process with me to get you a book. Man, I want to thank you all once again for tuning in and listening to my podcast. And I say everybody's got an opinion, man. There's billions, billions of podcasts out there you can listen to. But some odd reason you all choose to come here and listen to me. And I will always tell you all that means the world to me. You're giving me an hour and 30 minutes of your time to accommodate you and accustom you on your drive and provide you with some content throughout your day. Man, I love doing it. It ain't about the money for me. It's just, I really just enjoy doing it. And when I hear from you all, it makes me so happy because I always wonder, like, who's really listening? Who really cares? And there are people out there that care. So Miss Janet Burke, she sent me an email the other day just to tell me thank you. And she loves my show. And man, I, Janet, thank you so much for reaching out. 
I hope you hear this. God bless you. I truly appreciate you. Thank you for your service in Alabama. All that, girl. Thank you for tuning in. And to all the people out there listening, like I said, once again, thank you all for tuning in to the show. If you all could, please go and rate the show for me if you could. Uh, go to, you know, what is it? Apple iTunes, uh, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Jesus, I've been doing this long enough. You'd think I would have got it right. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give me five stars. Leave me a review. Or if there's any protesters out there, any Hayfield LMPD officers that think I'm throwing them under the bus or that I'm crapping on the department and they don't agree with this episode, leave me one star. Really don't care. But the fact that you tuned in to listening, that just gives me another download. So thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> so like I said, man, that's that's pretty much the show. Man, thank you all for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. And Hopefully, once once the audiobook gets done and I get a little bit more time back, I can get back to doing more so weekly the show. That's the hope. But until then, I will see you all on the next one.